Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You pick your friend, don't let your friend pick you. How does that correlate to where we are now? Well, for so many of us, we want to fit in. When you look at fitting in, you look at people flocking around you because of the success you have or because you have this or you have that and as professional athletes oh you you know you got money before we get into today's episode i want to offer you a free service and a free gift yes a free gift you're a loyal best ever listener you deserve free gifts and it's from our best ever partner secure pay one the landlord helper so are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing well if you're self-managing is that the best way to scale your business And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe that's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe they're going to give you a free 30 minute goal strategy session they'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe again if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Emmett Smith, Hall of Fame football player, and I am so pleased and grateful to say we are going to be talking to Tamika Ketchings, 
WNBA star and now, I mean, well, always has been entrepreneur and now working on some entrepreneurial endeavors. How you doing, Tamika? I'm doing great, Joe. How about you? I am doing great as well. And best ever listeners, holy cow, if you don't know Tamika, just look at her Wikipedia page. I was blown away by your accomplishments. So here's some highlights and then we'll get into our conversation. First ever quintuple double. I had to quintuply double check that (laughs) that was actually a real thing. And in case you're wondering what the heck is a quintuple double, it's 25 points, 18 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 steals, and 10 blocks. So double digits in five categories. She is a former NBA star. She just recently hung up the sneakers, and her number has been retired with the Indiana Fever. She's the president of the WNBA Players Association from 2012-2016, and four of the things that stood out to me. She's one of only nine women to win a championship in college, WNBA, and also an Olympic gold medal. She's a New York Times bestselling author, the book called Catch a Star, which I will be purchasing immediately after our conversation. She's the first recipient of ESPN's Humanitarian Award, and I'm out of breath at this point because I'm not as in shape as you are. So with that being said, if you want to give the best ever listeners just a little bit more about your background and your current focus, and then we'll go from there. Oh, I was born, my father actually played in the NBA for 11 years, so... I was kind of born into the NBA family. He played for the Milwaukee Bucks, New Jersey Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. So needless to say, we moved around a lot, but basketball's always kind of been in the framework, I guess, of our lives. And I was born with a hearing problem and a speech problem. So for me growing up, because of my impairment, I got bullied a lot. So really that's where sports became so important in my life and just really everything. Seventh grade, I made my first goal. I going to be in the NBA, follow my dad's footsteps. WNBA came my freshman year in college, and so obviously it changed from wanting to be in the NBA to the WNBA, and I got drafted to Indiana Fever, had an opportunity to play here for the last 15 years, and now currently my role is with Pacer Sports and Entertainment. I'm the director of player programs and franchise development. So a lot going on, that basketball side, and then like you said, I wrote a book last year that came out. The paperback is actually about to come out in the beginning of August, and then I bought a tea shop called Tease Me Cafe Indie here in Indianapolis that hopefully we'll look to franchise in the next couple of years. So a lot going on, but a lot of great things. And last but not least, my foundation, the Catch the Stars Foundation. We focus on boys and girls ages 7 to 18 and providing programming around fitness, literacy, and mentoring. I want to talk about the different ventures that you have, like the tea shop and the foundation, Before we get into that, when I was doing research prior to our conversation, I saw that your senior year at Tennessee, you had ACL injury, and then you got drafted, and you had to sit out your first year in the WNBA. You finally made it to your goal. You're in the WNBA, and now you've got to sit for a year, and I'm going to ask this question because... This is so analogous to what all entrepreneurs come across, right? We know what our goal is. We think we've reached it. And then all of a sudden, there's a huge challenge in front of us. What was your mindset 
during that year because you ended up being the rookie of the year your next year when you actually played. So what was your mindset that year when you were injured? At first, it was my senior year in college. So having the injury, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to finish out my senior year, like just super disappointed. But one thing that I've always been is faith-oriented. So my faith is what got me through early on. And even as I got drafted and eventually got here to Indiana, but I think really having a great supporting cast, like having a great team around me, helped keep me positive, keep me motivated. I knew I wanted to get back to the court. I knew I wanted to be successful. So from that aspect, knowing that I was going to have to work hard and 10 times harder than I had to before, but I was willing to go the extra mile and I love a challenge. So that was kind of my mindset. Until Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the draft was in April. And then I got clear late June, early July to run and actually was running straight away. Something in my knee popped again. And I mm. flew back home because at that point I had traveled with the team to Houston back when we had the Houston team and came back, had surgery the next day after that. First part, I did my ACL. The second one, I did my meniscus. So I had to go back, do another surgery. And so at least I was like, okay, now I know I'm not coming back this year for sure, but at least I have a brand new knee. And so just after that kind of setback, the second setback, I was like, all right, let's just focus on being ready for next year, being ready for the next season. I have 12 months literally to prepare myself. And so kind of shifting my focus away from, I really want to try to get back this year and and play it, even if it's just for a little bit, to shifting it to being prepared for the next year and however many more years I would have to play. Mm -hmm. The first thing you mentioned was being faith-oriented, and then the second thing was having a supporting cast. Digging in a little bit deeper with the faith-oriented and a supporting cast, what's the voice in your head saying from the faith-oriented part? Is it that everything happens for a reason, or what are you saying to yourself? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Literally, that's probably my saying in everything, is just being focused on not my strength, but his strength through me. And I can overcome anything, whether it's a physical ailment or something even mentally I'm struggling with or even in this new role and the challenges that it presents, just knowing that he has me here for a reason and not necessarily that for me, but it's really to ultimately give glory to him and everything I do. As far as the supporting cast goes, who was up there helping you and what was their specific role? Maybe it wasn't as official as a role, but what were they providing you? Well, my family is a huge piece. My mom and dad actually got divorced when I was in seventh grade. So now I always live with my mom, but my dad was always present in my life too. So my family has been a big piece. But I would say as far as like if I had to pick one person, my sister, she was playing overseas. She's 21 months older than me. I'm the baby for my mom and dad. And literally when I told my ACL, she was playing overseas. And we're not twins, even though people think we're twins. But while she was playing overseas, I got hurt. She got all these emails. It wasn't text messages back then and wasn't FaceTime and all that. So she got all these emails just asking if I was okay. So then she found out I tore my ACL. So she literally stopped her playing career, moved back to Knoxville, Tennessee, stayed with me to finish out my senior year, help me out, do all my stuff, just get me prepared, finishing school, all of that good stuff. And then when I got drafted to Indiana, she moved to Indiana with me. And we've literally been together since then. She's married now with two boys, but we're only 10 minutes apart. So 
where we came in together, we're still together. And then my brother lives right up the street in St. Louis. So he comes over a lot too, but the three of us are really close. President of the WNBA Players Association for four years. How I interpret that is you're a leader among leaders. How do you become a leader among leaders? Well, actually, I got the role in 2004. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> the Wikipedia is way off. <laughs> 2004 to win. Till last year, 2016. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, a long can't, time. Can't trust the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because from a leadership standpoint, when I got voted to be president, I was like freaked out. Because I knew about the Players Association, but I hadn't really been involved and engaged in it. The players vote for their president. And so they all voted me. And I was like, this is some kind of joke or something like that. I can't lead this group. But it took a little bit of time for me to get comfortable and get to the point where I felt, okay, I can really do something and I can really kind of take charge. But from a respect standpoint, and I think the coolest thing is, knowing that the players vote you in and that they look at you as their leader. They put you kind of not on a pedestal, but they put you in that role where they're willing to follow you. So 2004, I always say, was the first year I really saw a leader on the court and Don Staley that showed me what leadership was about and how to carry yourself and how to put people in the right position and how to allow your team around you to be successful. So she taught me a lot just by watching her that one year. And then, of course, even over the next few years following that, you know, I had to kind of get my own leadership pattern, I guess you could say. And I learned that I have a voice and not necessarily like my thing was just follow me. Everybody just follow me. Whatever I do, just do what I do. But what I learned real fast is not everybody can do that. Some people, you actually have to communicate and use words and tell them what you want. You can't just show them. And then some people need a little bit of both. And some people, you can just show them. So just being able to learn the different types of being able to communicate, but also the different types of being able to lead. It's going to be a tough question, but if you had to guess what the women would say who are voting for you to be the president of the Players Association, what would you guess they'd describe you as? Oh, passionate, determined, a go-getter, and... Somebody that when you think of like all kind of like the dirty work that needs to be done and the behind the scenes stuff, somebody that's willing to put in the time and the sacrifice for that. And I think even as a basketball player, there's so many things behind the scenes that you have to do. So really preparing yourself as a player to get ready for the game, to get ready for practice. And it's almost the same thing. But it's a thankless job being the president of the union. It's a thankless job, but it's a job that somebody has to do but if you got somebody in that role, you want them to be committed to the league. You want them to be passionate, dedicated, willing to sacrifice, and all the things, willing to do the dirty work to make things happen. Yeah, I imagine it is, as you said, a thankless job. And it's a commitment above and beyond what you're already doing. Holy cow, you had a lot of stuff going on. Looking back on it, what would be a specific benefit that you received as a result of being in that position? Being able to lead, being able to make a decision, and being able to, as a president, you can't just focus on one group of players. So you're not just focusing on the superstars. You're focusing on the stars of the team, but you're also focusing on the rookies that are coming in, and you're focusing on those players that are transitioning from 
a rookie contract to a veteran contract and all the stuff in between, what the players want, what the players need, what's more important, being able to prioritize. There's a lot of things that you learn from a leadership standpoint, but even ultimately being able to communicate. And I think that that has always been my struggle because I got made fun of when I was younger. I didn't really like to talk to people. I didn't really like to direct. So as a leader, you have to learn how to talk to people. You have to learn how to direct and ask people to do certain things that maybe they might not want to, but then also being able to communicate it effectively, but even being able to find the benefit, not only for what we need done, but for a particular player that we might need something done and you know, how do you get them engaged. And so there's still a lot of trial and error, but it was fun. How are you applying the skills you learned there to your current role now? Well, in everything that I do, <laughs> it applies in every single role. And especially when I look at the leadership quality that I learned from being the Players Association president, but being around Dawn and learning her leadership styles and then trying to figure out what my leadership styles and what kind of leader I wanted to be known for. But now I think being able to put that in the role that I'm in with Patriot Sports Entertainment and the respect level that a lot of the players have, they see all the stuff that I do. And a lot of people have always been like, oh, that's just catch. But now from this role, I'm like, look, it could be you too. You've got to figure out what you're passionate about while you're playing. I just happen to be passionate about kids. I happen to be passionate about leadership. I happen to be passionate about impacting people and trying to help them figure out and find the best of them. And so all of that stuff plays into every single aspect of my life now. So as a entrepreneur, you have a couple things that I know of going on. One of them is the tea shop you've mentioned a couple times. Talk to us about that. You're looking to franchise it. Can you give us a backstory and what you're doing with it? Well, when I moved to Indianapolis, somebody randomly took me to, it's called Tease Me, T-E-A apostrophe S, Tease Me Cafe. So this was about 10 years ago, and they were like, oh, I know you like tea. I got this nice little spot we can go to. We're going to have lunch, have some tea. I'm like, oh, great. So we went, and it really became one of my favorite places to go. Last year, right before the holidays, had a meeting there. The guy that I was meeting with was like, oh, you know, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I love this place. And he was just kind of like, well, you better come as many times as you can because the owner is moving. And I was like, well, just because he moved, doesn't the shop not going anywhere, right? Well, come to find out, they didn't know what they were going to do with it. So long story short, I was just kind of like, well, let me find somebody for you. And I ended up asking my husband after a couple of weeks, like, hey, do you think I can do it? And he was like, why not? Anything that you're passionate about and you go, like, you go so hard with everything you do, like, you'd be great. So here we are. Took over in February 2017 and was a little bit over six months. It's been going great. I love the atmosphere. But really, when I started looking at it, why would I want a tea shop? I love to drink tea, but I can go anywhere and get tea, right? Yep. But what it became was the benefit that it would allow for the kids that come through our foundation. So really being able to use Catch the Stars as kind of a model that will go in and we'll hire some of our kids to come and work and teach them about leadership, teach them about serving, looking people in the eye, what to wear to work, how to carry yourself, just kind of teach them the basic skills that have kind of been lost a little bit. So being able to use that. And then we are, right now currently have a first Friday and our first Friday is always youth Friday. So we have kids that come out and they can do spoken word, they can draw, they can sing, they can dance, they can do comedy, whatever it is, but just really having a space for our young people to come and excel. Mm. 
Wow. So I love how you merged the worlds you're able to combine the two. With the conversation you mentioned between you and your husband, when you asked him, you think I should go for it? And he's like, hey, anything you're passionate about, you go all in. So that made me think of what is something that you're passionate about that you went all in on and it flopped? It didn't go well. No gold medal, no trophies, didn't make money, whatever it was. What's something? I'll probably go back to the sports analogy. And when you come in and every single year you come into a season and we have media day and what happened to media day, all the media shows up and everybody has all these microphones and I get cornered in a corner and all these mics in front of me and it's like, this is the year you're going to win a championship. So I think about from 2001, really 2002 when I started playing all the way to 2009 when we made it to the finals and we lost in game five to Phoenix, but we didn't win a championship until 2012. But from 2002 to 2012, every single year, literally, that's the same conversation. And really, after the 2009 season, I just expected 2010 to be like this great year. And we made it all the way. We made it this far. So next year, all we needed was maybe five more minutes to win the game. So next year, it's going to be the best year ever. And it wasn't. Not at all. We ended up losing in the first round. And I just remember off-season after 2009 going into 2010 like I was in the gym non-stop like getting ready for 2010 it's going to be the year we're going to win a championship it's going to be great and just going all in right workouts I mean just kind of over the top a little mm-hmm. bit that's how I am over the top but we get to New York so New York was our first round we get there and game three so we needed a win but we lost and I just remember like I was just devastated And that was probably one of the moments that I think of when I really thought, like, maybe I don't want to play anymore. Maybe this is it. I'm tired of working so hard and doing, committing myself to the Lord and working hard and trying to do everything just perfect. And then this is the outcome. And I'm mad. I'm lonely. I'm by myself. And everybody's so concerned about going out and going to party. But we just lost. They should be upset. They're not mad. Like, they should be like me. And feel this anger. And so I just remember, like, literally, I don't want to play basketball. And we had a USA basketball training, and I just told RG at that point in time, I was like, look, Kelly, like, I don't want to play basketball. I really am struggling with getting back in the gym, wanting to go and play for the USA team, do the world championship, but my body hurts. I'm frustrated. I don't know if I can go on. And she was just like, you know what? Take a week, a week and a half, get yourself together, go whatever you need to do, to whatever, and then we'll talk when you come back. And so I did, and I came back, and I was fine. I ended up going with the USA team, but it was in that moment, like probably like one of the only moments that I've had where I really was just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to play anymore. You overcome. Yeah. What was the thought in that week, week and a half? Where did it change, the thought? I didn't want to be a quitter. I had made a commitment that I was going with the USA team. So I didn't want to be one of those people where I lose and I'm a sore loser and I don't want to come and play because we lost. And that was kind of something that I did think about. But then also I truly love to play basketball and love the game. When I thought about the opportunity of going to the next level and going to play with the world championship team, not a lot of players get that opportunity. And I didn't want to miss out on that just because I'm, in the moment right now, super upset, super frustrated. 
about not winning. You said you're over the top on stuff. Will you describe or elaborate on that from a daily basis, like how that comes to life? Well, I like things done a certain way. I'm a big planner, so I kind of right now told Kelly, our GM, and Shelly that I am somebody on Sunday. I prepare for the whole week. So Sundays, I pretty much know what outfit I'm going to wear every single day. If I got like different events, my outfits are kind of lined up. So I know every day what I'm wearing and what I have to do today, what I have to focus. That's why I can only do one week at a time. So I'm over the top as far as from a planning aspect, but even like just getting stuff done. I like to be on top of what I have to do and what needs to get done and just being able to focus on every single detail. But I think that's the best way to be. What's it like to be around you when your Monday plans change and the outfit you had planned for it is no longer relevant? Well, that just happened to me. They told me I was going to a black tie event, so I went out of town with my gown and my shoes, and I had like three different shoes that I had to choose from, whichever dress that I wore. Well, then when I got there, I just happened to come up on a picture, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't look like a black tie event. So they went back and they were like, oh, you know what, it's cocktail attire. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a cocktail attire dress. So I'm running around New York City trying to find the perfect dress to wear the cocktail because, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a presenter and I don't know what award I'm presenting, nor do I know who I'm presenting to. So, yeah, it happened, but I kind of like took it with a grain of salt. At least I get a brand new dress and something cute. Got a dress, got to the, the awards show and plenty of time and figured out, you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect. It's fine. Have you always been that way where it doesn't have to be perfect, it's fine? No. Or does that that's come with age yeah. and experience? <laughs> maturity. You get mature. Yeah. If you had that mentality of it doesn't always have to be perfect when you were starting out, do you think you would have been just as successful? No, because I think that being able to operate on that level with it, you demand a level of excellence. And for my college coach from playing underneath Pat Summit, that was something that every day she demanded us to be excellent, not compared to the person next to us, but our own sense of excellence and success. And I think that being driven by her, and then by the time I got to the pro too, I think even for me, like it's my drive actually started from when I was that little girl getting bullied and wanting to be successful and wanting to fit in. Like I was driven to do whatever it took to be normal and then think of the people that have come in your life and then of course Pat and then getting here with the fever but I don't think that if I had that that I would be in the position that I'm in right now and definitely all the opportunities that have come because even over time one thing that I've also changed I used to during basketball like just focused on my game and nothing else like I would do our foundation and I would do other stuff but everything was predicated on my schedule with basketball. And then it kind of started transitioning when I started saying, okay, you know, I'm about to retire. And things started transitioning where basketball wasn't necessarily the number one thing. Other things were starting to kind of creep in. But I think that if I didn't have that direction early on in my career, I wouldn't have played as long as I did. And I wouldn't have had the success that I've had. But then also now, just opportunities-wise and being willing to try new thing where before I was like nope I don't want to do that nope I don't want to do that nope I just got to do this this is all I have to focus on right now where now I'm like okay well maybe I'll try that okay that sounds cool like I'll try that 
and really being open to more opportunity. With the notoriety you have, and especially in Indianapolis, I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities presented to you. How do you qualify or disqualify those opportunities? It's tough now, especially because you retire and then everybody's like, oh, you got all this free time. You should be able to do this and this and this. And it's kind of like, no, I, I can't. Some of it I'm going, doing stuff still. I'm an ambassador for the NBA and the WNBA. And then I'm doing stuff for Pacers Sports Entertainment. And then I'm doing stuff for my tea shop. And then I'm doing stuff for our foundation. And, oh, by the way, the big part of your job is relationships and building relationships with the players. And not just kind of like you're going and you're bouncing around and doing all this stuff, but losing the big piece of what you're supposed to be focused on. So there's a lot of moving parts, and I'm still trying to figure out how everything fits together. But from the appearance aspect and from trying to figure out what it is that I'm willing to support and that I'm willing to be at, a lot of it is just kind of timing available, then also not trying to wear yourself thin. The question I ask all the guests is the following, and I want to kind of position it based on your skill set and what you've done. So I'm going to tweak it slightly. What is the best advice ever you have for listeners who want to achieve at a high level? Well, the best advice my dad gave me when I was younger is you pick your friend. Don't let your friend pick you. And how does that correlate to where we are now? Well, for so many of us, we want to fit in. When you look at fitting in, you look at people flocking around you because of the success you have or because you have this or you have that. And as professional athletes, oh, you, you know, you got money. So I'm trying to be around you. I'm trying to go where you go. I'm trying to attach myself to you. But I learned early. I was in junior high when my dad said that. And I remember looking at my dad like, yeah, that's for old people. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but then as I got older and what I realized is when I had a good game, I'd have a whole entourage of people with me. And then I'd have a bad game and I'd have my two or three people with me. And then I'd have another good game and I'd have an entourage. And, you know, I figured out, I'm like, oh, God, like, I thought these were my friends. But they only come around when I'm doing really, really well. And all the cameras are around and all these people are around and everybody wants my attention. That's when they're there. But when I'm by myself and I have a bad game and I need somebody to maybe give me a couple words of encouragement, they're nowhere to be found, even at this level. And as you climb the ladders of success, there's people that see what you're doing and it's like, how do I attach myself to you? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you start looking at what types of quality do you want in a friend? Do you need a friend? Do you need a friend or do you need an associate? And really trying to pick and choose. I mean, for me now, like I have my core group of friends and I don't really need more friends. But I also look at myself in the role that I'm at right now. I can open doors for so many young ladies that are wanting to commentate, wanting to be in this role, wanting to be around basketball, wanting to try to figure out what life presents. I can still open the door for them. But I'm very careful with who I let around me and in my circle because one person, one bad egg can ruin all the rest of the eggs. And so just being very conscious of my circle is tight, but my circle is also tight with people that are successful and that know what it takes to be successful. So many life lessons and insights. I've been taking notes along the way. And at the very end, I'll mention some of the things that stood out to me. We usually do a lightning round. So you ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh oh. You're baloney. You're ready for anything I could throw at you <laughs> times 50. All right. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. 
Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show. Okay. Here's a question. This is from a co-host who is on the show with me on Fridays. I was talking to him about our interview, and he went to Ohio State, really big, strong guy, good at CrossFit. And he's like, you know, I was thinking one day, if I would just work out a lot, and this was when he was in college, if I would work out a lot, I bet I could try and try out for like the football team. But then I thought, those student athletes, I don't know how they balance the sport plus getting passing grades, let alone good grades, plus actually being a teenager in college. And he said, I would love for you to ask her about how the heck she was able to balance that. So how did you do that? Well, my mom set the stage and the standard when I was young. If we didn't make A's and B's, we couldn't play sports. So really learning early that I wanted to play sports and so I had to make good grades and then when you get to college as an athlete yeah you want to experience all the different things that are going on you want to be a teenager but for most of us I mean we have study hall and we have a lot of time that are specific to doing work we have tutors that are available so there's a lot of services that are around for you to kind of tap into but Pat has a hundred percent graduation rate so all of her players have graduated and you don't want to be that one that doesn't graduate. No. <laughs> so I think even the discipline, but it, it even comes from your older players though, the discipline that they had as seniors and you know, freshmen, you come in and you're watching the juniors and the seniors and they taking it serious. So you automatically kind of get into that flow and that routine of what they're doing and kind of catering it to yourself a little bit because not all the time do we have classes at the same time. So uh, I think just being disciplined, being able to prioritize, you know, you got practice at this time, you know, you have classes at this time, where do you fit in your homework hours and where do you make sure that you're getting your work done? Because Pat doesn't play that either. Like she wasn't going to let her play if we didn't make good grades. So being very strategic and how you're going to get everything. And then, and I had a boyfriend in college, so how do I spend time with him too? Mm-hmm. And try to fit in that and I mean, not necessarily going to parties and stuff, but having somewhat of a social life. So you just learn how to prioritize and what's most important and how you can fit it in. On the opposite end of the spectrum from where our conversation has been, what's the worst advice you've either been given or heard? Oh my. Honestly, I don't know. Because I'm sure if it wasn't good, I probably was just like, oh, okay. And you give them a crazy face and you walk away, right? (laughs) (laughs) How about this? What's a common mistake you see other people make, whether it's other 
WNBA people or whether it's young people, whatever. Just a mistake. Well, I think going back to the basketball world, people would just go to the gym. Like, oh, I want to be in the WNBA or, you know, I want to be successful. If I'm in the WNBA, I want to be successful. But they just go to the gym. And going to the gym and going to work on your game are two different things. Anybody can go to the gym. And when you're in the gym, you're shooting half-court shots and you're shooting shots that you know you don't shoot in a game. But then if you're working on your game, you're thinking about the shots that you take in a game. And you're putting those shots in as you're in the gym. So I think a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, if you work hard, if you go to the gym, you're going to be great. Uh, I don't agree with that. You know, if you work hard on the things that you know you need to work on, and you're very conscious of the mistakes that you've been making in the games or in practice, and you're working on those, then yes, you can be great. But you don't just go to the gym and come out great. Wow. Life lesson, that's for sure. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you've got going on and help do whatever you, know, you, you want them to do? <laughs> help wherever I'm Because I'm in. You tell me what you want me to do. I'll do it. This has been an incredible well, conversation. Yeah, our foundation is catchthestars.org. We have three different websites. Catchthestars.org is the foundation. For the tea shop, it's Tease Me Indie. I do want a franchise, so that's. The indie part of it is in indie, and then wherever we go, we'll change out the indie. But mm-hmm. so com, catchthestars.org, and then my personal one is tweakatcatching.com. This is a personal question for me. So Theo, the guy who I mentioned, he's like six foot three. I'm 5'11". He has very good basketball skills. I do not. We play one-on-one. I have not beat him. I've Googled how to beat someone who's taller than you in basketball. I still haven't beat him. Any tips? Oh, man, practice. <laughs> I do. I practice more than him. <laughs> you got to pull him out. You might be quicker than him, right? So you yeah. got to use your quickness. You got to pull him out. But you, you got to have a jump shot, too. So if yeah. you don't shoot and you pull him out, he's probably going to stay down by the back because he knows you can't shoot. Yep. Get you a jump shot, then he has to guard you. And then when you pull him out, give him a little shot fake, go around him. But you got to be creative because if he is taller than you, and you got to be fast. So work on your lateral quickness, work on your speed, work on your jump shot. I mean, there's just a lot that you probably have to work on. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I believe in you. I believe, I believe in you. I'm a piece of clay that we can mold. Yes, there's a lot I need to work on. Okay, well, I'm going to work on my jump shot because when I first started playing him, I wasn't jumping and shooting. He was swatting it right down my throat. So now I actually jump and shoot. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the show. What an incredible conversation. Life lessons along the way from pick your friend, don't let your friend pick you. And I love how you mentioned you open the door for people, but you're careful for who you let around you. So it's not that you're closed off from helping others, but it's just the people you spend the majority of your time with. That's who you're really selective with. And then what you mentioned earlier, it's not about the reps. It's about the quality reps and working on the specific things that lead to success. And then how should we handle uh, challenges that come up and how you have done it. One, being faith-oriented, having the self-talk that you mentioned earlier. Two, the supporting cast. And then three, your mentality. You said you just love a challenge. So many other things, how to be a leader among leaders. Highly recommend Best Ever Listeners. Go re-listen to this one. Tamika, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your advice and your story. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dot com forward slash show.